Hello, and welcome to this first bonus episode of Food Systems. This will be a re- departure from our regular interviews as we are uploading the full audio of the latest FFA Live event here, which took place on October 26, 2020. The theme of this conference was Rewarding Sustainability in the Food System. This is the first of three-part recording featuring the opening remarks of the FFA chairman, Janis Potoshnik. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you also to our speakers, both in the studio and around Europe. Once again, we are not able to meet in person as we had hoped to do. With Corona cases once again on the rise, I hope that you and your loved ones are of course safe and healthy. However, we cannot let such moments of acute crisis overwhelm us. Indeed, we must use them to make the changes in the world due to crisis with deeper roots, a chronic crisis of globalization and economic transformation, feeding climate change and income inequality and also leading to potential massive unemployment. Our shared history is rich and full of critical turning points such as these. As we continue to grasp with the impact of this pandemic, we cannot allow our focus to only be on tomorrow. We must plan for a sustainable future. The urgency of the moment cannot be understated. Amidst the stories of elections and new measures, others were unfolding. September of this year was the warmest month on record worldwide. The Arctic sea ice is melting to the levels never seen before. And according to a new study done by FFA partner, the World Wildlife Fund, we have lost 68% of all global vertebrates. We are clearly on an unsustainable course and we must be guided by a new compass. Today we are supposed to talk about rewarding sustainability in the food system. Let me put it in perspective and start with the question, what is actually driving our efforts in organizing the FFA debates? Good life for farmers, in a sustainable farming ecosystem, providing access to healthy food. The economic and food systems we have developed, often with good intentions, are not sustainable, and the change is unavoidable. Farmers deserve a decent life, where they are rewarded by the market for what they produce, not by automatic subsidies. They also deserve our support in the transition to a sustainable food system, protecting soil, biodiversity and the climate. These are all changes in their interest. But also consumers deserve decent life, an income to raise a family, as well as good, nutritious food at reasonable prices. We are all participants in the marketplace now, and the signals that is sent are mostly driven by price. However, these signals do not represent us fully. We live in an age of poverty and wealth inequality, all pointing to an undervaluation and lack of rewards for labor. In principle, we agree that consumers and producers should pay the full costs linked to what they buy. However, many around the world cannot even afford basic services like decent food or access to homes and mobility. Since income and wealth distribution is so unbalanced, we need social and labor policies that make the basics of life affordable. 
we need to keep people warm, safe, and with full bellies. However, our future well-being absolutely depends on the natural environment and on the way we manage natural resources. Too many still do not understand that any future economy is totally dependent on accepting that there are hard boundaries to continued life on this planet. Even worse, many do understand this, but refuse to act accordingly. Right now, there is no real value for our natural capital. Climate change, biodiversity loss, ongoing emissions, and the destruction of the rainforest show that we do not value nature at all. Very often, it makes more economic sense to destroy the planet. It leads to better share prices and higher profits. It will not be easy, but we must reconcile our short and long-term interests. In many cases, doing so will help resolve many current, very concrete short-term interests. In democracies, we rule and govern together through the elected representatives we prefer. Imperfect though it is, this is the voice of the people. And if they do not agree with the decision made, they will raise their voice in the streets and vote us out. Nature, on the other hand, has no voice. And its life and survival depends on the existing level of human understanding and responsibility. When nature disagrees with our behavior, it cannot raise the voice. It protests by dying out and by disappearing from the planet. And yes, the silent voice of nature has been in the recent decades very loud and clear, but we still pretend not to hear the silent spring. Right now, we need much more effective and efficient policies that address the core drivers of our problems, inequality, biodiversity loss, climate change. There is no longer room for separate policies on the economy, society, and the environment. We can no longer afford inconsistency or a lack of science-based policy. We have to introduce responsible governance while avoiding hypocrisy, which leads us again to the importance of market signals. We cannot and should no longer avoid the fact that the price signals currently do not value the climate, our soil and water, or our biodiversity. Neither is there a full accounting for consumer-facing issues such as obesity and other diet-related illnesses. Another major challenge is related to rebalancing price in our food system and rewards along the food chain. Many actors, including farmers, know that the system they are part of is unsustainable, but they are trapped by existing prices, squeezed margins, and in many cases, little control over the market they contribute to. While farm incomes have risen significantly over the last 10 years, the family farm income is still only just over 15,000 euro per year. How are they supposed to buy new equipment that saves fuel, time, and reduces emissions? Where does the money come from to buy new filters for livestock sheds? How does it come that a local butcher, butcher pays only a bit extra for a meat from animals with a high quality of life? For many years, policymakers have tried to change behavior through the common agriculture policy and increased regulation. As we can see from the state of our environment, these efforts, though worthy, have not delivered the systemic changes needed. The market signals in the food chain are broken and must be fixed. Furthermore, we must investigate and develop food system markets for biodiversity protection, 
as well as the climate. While we are slowly creating private markets for carbon storage, for example, through three pl planting as a carbon offsets, they are still negligible in comparison to the global challenge we face. In the face of the global wave of forest fires from California to the Amazon to Australia, they are not nearly sufficient. When it comes to respecting value of the influence of the food system to protect the earth wildlife, we are functionally nowhere. Despite a limited number of private initiatives, we have no unified system that tell us how to translate the extraordinary value of our wildlife into a system that can reward those that help them prosper beyond nature subsidies. Dear friends, while addressing the issue of rewarding sustainability in the food sector, we have to be clear that it is impossible to solve the problems linked to agriculture and food system in isolation. Few quick points worth mentioning. We have to simultaneously address social questions linked to poverty and fairness. We cannot simply march out and demand higher prices from consumers. Transition should be always managed carefully with most vulnerable in mind. Right now, hundreds of thousands are losing their jobs, taking salary cuts, and even more are facing real insecurity. We cannot ask of them to pay more without making them more secure and well-paid first. This means tackling the gross levels of inequality that have ballooned around the world and also in Europe. Second, the financial sector should actively contribute to the transition. Risks in finance institutions cannot be anymore defined as the short-term rate of return of the money invested, but rather in the context of real risks we face as a society where finance plays an outsized role. Looking beyond the short-term interest is essential not only for the transition of the food system, but also for the stability and survival of the finance sector itself. Third, all public money should follow public interests, aligned with the needs of the transition following the European Green Deal vision. The opportunity is unique. While the next financial perspective and recovery package we have on tape with the next financial perspective and recovery package, we have on the table for the next few years almost doubled regular European Union budget. And if we act wisely, lots can be done. European Green Deal and post-recovery Engaging in global partnerships and solutions on the globalized markets should thus be an important part of the future European efforts. Dear friends, incentives sent to markets are essential. We cannot send producers and consumers with market signals in one direction and then use the regulation and traditional public money to limit the damage done by the wrong market signals. This just leads to a lot of confusion, lobbying, and also potentially to conflicts and bad will. It is essential that signals sent to market players, producers, and consumers, farmers, and then customers 
are aligned with public interests, like providing affordable healthy food, respecting planetary boundaries, using natural resources in a responsible way, and not working against, which is currently many times still the case. Policymakers should create conditions for them to thrive and to jointly shape an economy, which will, by following their private interests, protect also the public ones. This is essential role and responsibility public sector policymakers and politicians should play. And while engaging in our economic activities, we should always remain caring members of our society. Fixing the market signals in the food system, it's extraordinarily hard and may require some changes which would not be easy to accept. We might have to pay more, consume less, be more conscious of our food waste and become more active citizens. These are not easy challenges, but we are running out of time. If we do not face up to eat and fix our broken compass, then the consequences will be unbearable, not only for the future generations, but already also for us. The current crisis provides us with a moment of fragility enlightenment in which we can make a real change and we must make it. I hope today's discussions will inspire you to ask questions and consider your own role as a company, a government, or even as individual. We all win or lose together. It is not anymore about if and what needs to be done, but rather about how we will do it. I wish you a productive conference and thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Um, before I ask you a quick follow-up question, let's take a look at the results of our first poll from Mentimeter. The first question that we asked our audience, just to take a little bit of the temperature of what people are thinking. So that first question, I think if we can see it, it was who within the food chain has the most work to do to become sustainable? Now, this was a multiple choice, so there are a few different options that you could have chosen from. You had farmers, food and beverage processing companies, retailers, consumers, or all of the above. Let's see what the results were. Okay, it was all of the above. Yes, indeed. 15% uh, for farmers, only 7 and 5% respectively for food and beverage processing companies and retailers, 13% uh, for consumers. Are you surprised by those results or is that more or less what you would have expected as well? Mm, it's not only 7% and 5% of the figures which you mentioned for retailers and food producers, because it, uh, you add also 59, all of them together. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not surprised at all. I think it's the correct answer and also very much expected. So it's clear that uh, this is our joint task, uh, which we have to address uh, in cooperation. Okay, and that one other question I want to ask you before we let you go uh, today. Um, you mentioned in your speech, and I would like you to say a little bit more about how to tackle the levels of inequality in our society. Listen, this is not something which we will solve today with this webinar or around the table. It goes very, very deep. It goes uh, that, uh, into the roots of how uh, the income is actually... Uh, what are the income rewards? I, I'm, I'm many times saying in a bit simplified way, but you can actually, uh, you can actually uh, 
conclude that from the from the data that productive capital, which is in a way a synonym for GDP, it's overvalued and overrewarded. That labor capital, it's undervalued and underrewarded, and that natural capital, in many cases, is unfortunately not valued at all. Uh, which it's leading us to the core problems which we are discussing today. And uh, you can't solve only the problems of the natural capital story because this would be uh, clearly linked also to the questions of how you price some of the things on the markets without addressing seriously also the social issues. So the transition to a more sustainable economy and society, in particular, we here mean environmentally will fall or will fly on the basis if we will done it well and if it will be also acceptable for those who are the most vulnerable. On behalf of the FFA, we would like to thank all our speakers as well as our moderator, Jennifer Baker, for making this event a success. We would also like to thank the FFA founding partners, ELO and Syngenta, as well as the strategic partners, the Nature Conservancy, Cargill, World Wildlife Fund Europe, Rabobank, and Thought for Food, as well as our international partner, the Chicago Council on Global Affairs.